It's time for the Celtics to get moving. Move yourselves, move the ball, plus your questions about the defense and potentially a midseason trade. Right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Jay's back with the vengeance. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This the truth like 34. This like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. Crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty. The content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly. Hey there, and thank you for making the Locked On Celtics podcast part of your daily routine and your first listen every day. Remember, Locked On Celtics is free, available on all platforms, including YouTube. Every episode is at LockedOnCeltics.com. I'm John Corrales. I cover the Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. I've written a book called The Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars, available everywhere and on my site for 30 bucks if you want a signed copy. Makes a great gift. Uh, today... I'm getting into something that I've I've been seeing recently about uh, the Celtics their their lack of cutting. Uh, that's something I asked Ime Odoka about, and I'm going to talk about it here. I'm also going to answer some of your questions, a question about the defense, and I, I think that's very relevant to to what we're seeing out there on the floor, and some questions later on, including a question about a midseason trade, which I think could be something the Celtics pull off. Uh, we'll see how that goes. First, though, let's get into my whole piece. I wrote this piece on Boston Sports Journal about the Celtics' inability or or not inability. They're basically choosing not to cut, and it's driving me nuts. I, I tweeted about it, and I said, I'm going to be very obnoxious about this because it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense that the Celtics aren't cutting, why they are just standing around, why they're sitting there spotting up. And I really do think like the Celtics are, let me, let me just start with this. They have historically not been great at this. And I'm going to pull up my, my story for, for Boston sports journal, just so I can pull up some of the numbers here. The Celtics are cutting six and a half percent of the time, which is right in the middle of the pack. Uh, when you go through the NBA tracking data, again, NBA tracking data, little iffy, not exactly great, but it's what we have. And the Golden State Warriors lead the league. They have 20, almost 21 points per game generated somehow by cuts. The Celtics are getting less than 10, just under 10. So they are bottom third of the league in getting points off of cuts. This is a problem. This is a big problem for the Celtics to me because, and I highlighted in this, in this piece, there's, there have been multiple instances, and in the play I highlighted was against the Toronto Raptors. Jalen Brown is on the right corner, and he's dribbling against OG Ananobi, it looks like, and or, or whoever he's driving against, and he's working hard, dribbling, crossing over, spinning, and he hits a fadeaway jumper. Okay, great. Right before he starts to do all of this stuff, Josh Richardson on the other side could have cut to the middle and made a play and he didn't. And the reason I highlighted this is the Celtics inability or choice not to make these cuts off the weak side 
is taking away opportunities for Jalen and Jason to, to create for their teammates. We put so much emphasis on Tatum and Brown. Hey, their assist numbers aren't necessarily what they are. We need Tatum to be more of a facilitator. We need Jalen to be more of a facilitator. Look at these numbers and we see an assist total of three or four. And, and I say it all the time. I'm as guilty as anybody. Hey, only four assists for Jason Tatum. He probably needs to bump that up a little bit. But on the other side of this are Celtics teammates who can cut from the weak side, can cut when they drive baseline from the top, who can cut from the, from, from the corner. Uh, these are opportunities for easy baskets. I want, as I'm talking, I have this Richardson gif just going over and over again on my screen. It's an opportunity for Richardson to get an easy basket. And what's he doing? He's just spotting up in the corner, waves his hand in the corner. Hello, hello, pass to me in the corner. No, Josh, I don't want you shooting threes. How about that? I would rather you slash and cut to the basket so Jalen Brown doesn't have to work as hard. By the way, this is the game, this same play, if you watch the cutaway of Jalen afterwards, they show the tight shot of his face and he's grimacing. That has to be his knee. That has to be, he's working hard to score. Why not take a little bit of the burden off of Tatum and Brown? Create some easy opportunities for yourself to get some buckets. Give them some assists. I mean, this is just an absolute no-brainer to me. And if I'm out there on the floor and I'm teammates with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and those are the main guys, and I'm sitting there going, geez, you know, you know what I'd really love to do? I'd love to score a basket. That would be cool, wouldn't it? People like when you score baskets. I want to score a basket. I, in a Celtics jersey, want to score a basket and run back. Do that. The, the best part about basketball is when you score a basket, you get to do that little light jog back. That's that little jog of satisfaction. Like, ah, I just scored a basket. Da, 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 da. It's great. It's a great feeling. I'd love to be able to do that underneath the banners on that parquet floor. Why don't I cut to the basket and get an easy one? Why don't I cut to the basket and give Jalen and Jason some more assists? Because you know what's going to happen if they get two or three more assists per game based on just this? Those assist numbers are going to look great. And those guys get maybe some more consideration for all-star, all-star starter, all-NBA, first-team all-NBA. If somebody's sitting there going, oh, Jason Tatum and other forward X, well, Tatum's got eight assists per game. Wow, that's really impressive. I'm going to go with Jason Tatum because this other guy's not really distributing the ball. The, the game could go the exact same way. And Tatum could turn four or five assists into six, seven, eight assists. And now all of a sudden he wins a tiebreaker in some voters' mind, going from third to second team or second to first team All-NBA. Like, that's all part of the ripple effect. You're a great teammate. He's a great teammate. You get to score. They get the assist. You score the bucket. The crowd goes wild. I don't understand why people don't want to do this. The, the Celtics, you're seeing cuts from, from Jalen. Marcus Smart has a couple, and, and those are beneficial too because it draws such a, so much of the defense. But Tatum and Brown work so hard that you see over and over and over again, 
when you see Tatum and Brown, like if you're watching on a streaming service or something and you're watching Jalen start to cook or Tatum start to cook, just pause it in the middle of the move and just watch how many eyeballs from the other team are on these guys as they make their move. I guarantee you it's going to be like three or four or maybe five sets of eyeballs. There are opportunities galore to cut. The Celtics want ball movement, but ball movement includes player movement. Move the ball, move yourself. You hear talk, people, uh, basketball people talk about this all the time. Move the ball, move yourself. Pass it, give it up, go do something. Don't just pass it and stand there. I mean, sometimes you do. That's just, you're, you're moving the ball side to side. And, and yes, you're, you're, you do something and you move the ball and, and you are kind of staying in the same spot. It's not universal. Nothing, nothing in basketball is generally universal. But move the ball and move yourself. Generally, when you move the ball, there's something for you to be able to do to stretch that defense out. The ball can go side to side, and we hear Scal talk about it. Oh, wow, that ball went side to side. And yes, of course, the ball went side to side. And that's great, but you really want to put pressure on the defense. And it's all about the magic words, the two magic words when it comes to ball movement. Paint touches. Paint touches. When the ball gets into the lane, when the ball gets into the paint, it's a magnet. It has such gravity Every eyeball turns to the ball in the middle of the paint. There is such gravity that that means when your defender is not looking, go, go. Whether it's baseline, whether it's from the top. Marcus did a great job when Dennis Schroeder against the Rockets drove baseline. That really opened up an opportunity for Marcus to dive down from the top, get an and one. You can give and go. That's also a cut. Give the ball up, boom, go right to the basket. Robert Williams is such a good passer. Robert Williams is an elite passer. He hit Jalen with an absolute dime. Schroeder in the, in the Rockets game with one of the just best passes that a big man can throw, a sidearm bounce pass with backspin that spun right up into Schroeder's hands so he can lay it in. We talk about having... Guys with elite skills, building your, your team around two special guys in Tatum and Brown with elite skills. Robert Williams has an elite skill. He is a tremendous passer. We have seen him grow into just an elite level passer for a big man. Why waste that talent? Why make other guys work as hard as they are? Get him the ball and move, and cut. I've probably said this once a year for the past three years, but the Celtics cutting numbers are still in that same range. They've been in the middle 6.5% sort of range for the past three years. I don't know how much more i got to say it. It's so obvious, and this team has struggled offensively for the past few years. This is an obvious thing to do. But the gravity... The, the, not the gravity, I've used that word too much, I'm saying it just instinctively. The, the inclination to just stay around the three-point line. Everybody's like, space it. Oh my God, I got a space. I got to stay around the three-point line. I got a space. I just got to stand there and wait for a pass. No, the hierarchy is layups, free throws, three-pointers. 
That's the hierarchy of what you want in an NBA offense in basketball. Layups, because they're easy. They're at like 90%. You make almost all of your layups. You want those. Free throws, which come off of going in for layups because if you cut and you get the ball and, oh, my God, the, the defense is like, ah, shit, and they, get, they foul you, free throws. Free throws, there's nobody in front of you. You get 10 seconds to sit there and get yourself ready and calm down and shoot. It's money. Then three-pointers because the math is so crazy, then yes, of course, three-pointers. But layups are first. Layups are the first one. Get more layups. Cut to the basket. Damn it. Cut to the basket, guys. All right. So that's segment one. <laughs> segment two will be about the defense, a question about the defense. Uh, I'm going to talk about that after I talk about sweat block, which is an antiperspirant wipe. It is, we talk about elite, elite level antiperspirant wipe. If you've got a an excessive uh, perspiration issue, you know how embarrassing that can be. And sometimes people have to carry extra clothes with them or whatever. No, no, no. Sweat block, it's like a handy wipe type of thing. You go, you take a shower at night, you wipe it on your problem area, you go to sleep. In the morning, you wake up, you rinse it off, boom. You got coverage for up to seven days. There are some people who had it cover them for up to nine days. Uh, I talked to somebody who DM'd me and was like, thank you. This worked for five straight days. So... This is a real solution to an embarrassing problem. You can go check it out, Google it. They want you to Google it. Go to Amazon. They're, they're one of the top antiperspirants on Amazon. They've got thousands upon thousands upon thousands of reviews. So go check it out for yourself. If it doesn't work for you for some reason, they've got a dry shirt guarantee, so you're not even wasting your money. It's going, if it doesn't work, you get it back. And you can use this stuff anywhere, anywhere you have a problem. So go check it out at sweatblock.com. With the promo code locked on, you're going to get 20% off. Promo code locked on gets you 20% off at sweatblock.com, or you can pick some up at Amazon and CVS. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast yet? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can follow us on Spotify. Hey, thank you for making the Locked On Celtics podcast your first listen every day. For your second listen, go check out the Locked On NBA podcast. Wednesday night is my night on Locked On NBA with uh, Jake Madison of Locked On Pelicans. I'm recording this after we did the NBA show where we covered all the games in the league. And then we did what's real, what's fake from the first week of the NBA season including James Harden's free throw woes, the Chicago Bulls being 4-0, and Damian Lillard's struggles. So make your second listen in the Lockdown NBA podcast. It's a lot of fun, and there's new hosts every day all week, so uh, please check it out. All right, this segment I'm going to play off of a question that I got from Leo V, submitted by my website, johncorrales.com. At the top, it's johncorrales.com slash mailbag if you want to type it in. If you go to johncorrales.com, you can see at the top, there's a mailbag link. You go there. That's how you're going to submit questions to the podcast. No more social media. Just go to my website, and that will give you the link to submit your questions. So Leo says, Celtics really seem to be struggling with the new switch everything defense, especially the bigs on guards. It seems like some teams are just having a field day against the Celtics. Is this scheme worth it if they stick with it for the long haul, or should they be less focused on switching everything all the time? 
This is an important question, I think, because it does play to a weakness that the Celtics have shown. It's why Ennis Cantor has not been able to play at all, really. Uh, he just simply cannot switch. Uh, Rob has grown a little bit more into his role of being able to switch onto guys, and I think this early part of the season is such an experimental part, especially for the Celtics having played only four preseason games. One of them, most of the guys rested. Two other ones were missing Jalen or Horford or both. Um, so this part of the season is just very experimental. They haven't figured out all of their defensive principles yet. So you're still seeing a lot of switch everything out there. It's not the only thing that they're doing. There was the very uh, blatant forgetting of we're not switching everything against the New York Knicks when Evan Fournier went nuts and Udoka said afterwards, oh yeah, we're only switching one through four, which means the point guard through the power forward. We were not switching off of the center, which a couple of guys did. Jalen and Jason both did. It freed up Evan Fournier for, for three-pointers. But that is still to the question that Leo asks because it's all still part of the confusion. Is it worth it in the long haul? It's hard to say exactly, but being able to do that effectively certainly does, I think, play to the long-term strategy of what do we need to do to be successful against the best teams in the league? And to be a successful defense against Brooklyn and Milwaukee and hell, I just mentioned Chicago. Chicago's got a tremendous offense. A lot of these teams with, with elite offenses, in order to be successful against them, you're going to have to be able to switch. And, and I don't want to hear, like, I love Perk and all of that, but I don't want to hear the pregame stuff of, well, it's lazy defense to be switching everything, fight over those picks. I'm sorry. It's not, that doesn't work anymore. Even though they've, they've cleaned up some of the freedom of movement rules and there's a little bit more contact allowed, and hey, maybe some of that can be, can, can be added back into the game. Right now, you, your best chance with the rules and with the predominance of the three-pointer, you have to be able to switch effectively. And maybe the Celtics are taking it to an extreme, but I think that's only part of the experimentation and the learning process. I think they are going to dial it back. But you still need – how do you keep Zach Levine in front of you? How do you keep Kevin Durant in front of you? How do you keep Giannis in front? Well, nobody keeps Giannis in front of him. But how do you keep these guys in front of you? The only chance you have is by effectively switching and basically think of switching as like a very tiny relay race <laughs> when you're going, you're, you're hit with a pick and that's a sort of handoff of the baton. You've now hit a, a, a spot where you cannot continue moving as fast as you want to, even if you fight over the pick or somehow went under the pick, you, you're still not going to move as fast. And now Durant or your elite wing is going to get to where he wants. So what do you do? You switch the next person out there and say, Nope, I got you. This is my, my part of the relay. And you at least keep a body in front of theoretically in front of the, the guy with the ball. And so the, the goal is to protect the rim. You switch everything to protect that, that penetration. 
The problem is that when you screw it up, there's no defense for the rim. You, there, you're, not, you're not keeping anything in front of you. And some of that is there's a tendency to get lazy when you're switching. You know, you're like, oh, da, 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 I'm going to switch and you take this guy and I'm going to take this guy. But when you're lazy like that and you say, oh, I'm going to take this guy, that guy's like, oh, this guy's being lazy? Well, I'm not going to go where you want me to go so you can be lazy. I'm just going to go the other way. And that's called slipping the screen. You just dive to the basket. And me, the lazy guy goes, oh, oh, wait. Oh, see ya. Okay, bye. Lay up. You can't be lazy when you switch. You've got to be purposeful when you switch. When you, if I'm defending a guy and he's hitting the pick and my big is going over to switch and he's taking the shooter and going out to the guard, I got to make sure that I'm between that guy, the guard, and, or, or the big, I'm sorry, the, that, that set the pick. I got to make sure I'm between him and the rim. So I can't just stand there and expect him to move laterally into a place where I can guard him. I have to make sure I'm in a spot where I'm between him and the rim. Where in the Knicks game that became a problem is that if you're not switching, that amounts to going under a screen on a shooter and the shooter gets wide open. So, Leo, it's, it's a problem. If they figure it out and they can do it effectively, then they can incorporate that into drop pick and roll coverage, which we've seen some against the, uh, it was, we certainly saw some against Charlotte, saw a little bit of it against Houston. They can start incorporating different things, variations of the switch, switch one through four, like they tried to do against the Knicks, switch certain matchups, don't switch certain matchups, but do you have to build these habits and, and, if, if they give it up now, then the entire preseason was a waste of time. Everything up till now was a waste of time. Like you're so deep into it. You got it. You got to finish it off. You, you have to go all the way through and commit to, all right, this is going to be the primary defense that we play is switching everything. If you can't figure it out now, like if you, if you, if you sit there and say, well, oh, well, it's over. I'm not going to, we're going to do something different. Here comes a lot of zone. Then you're starting from scratch. So this is this is something that they're gonna have to they're gonna have to stick with. When you ask, is it worth it if they stick with it for the long haul? It should be. It should be. Um, with the knowledge that they are going to incorporate other defensive things. I think we're gonna start seeing it as we get into November. Watch for new defensive elements that they throw in there over the next few weeks. Uh, especially if they're they're facing some of the lesser teams out there and there's an opportunity to to kind of add a couple of them. All right, when we come back, a mid-season trade. Is there a trade target out there that the Celtics should go for? I'll talk about that after I tell you about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market. They've got uh, a ton of delicious flavors and new flavors out there all the time. I just got a shipment just out of nowhere from them. Blue, hey, here's blueberry muffin. Try it. And it's awesome. It's, it tastes like a blueberry muffin. And that's the thing about these Built Bars. They've, they've got flavors for any sort of flavor profile that you like. And it's delicious and good for you. There's 17 or 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories, 4 or 5 grams of sugar, 4 or 5 net carbs. In fact, let me just pull out the, the blueberry 
muffin one. And what's it say here? 150 calories. That's great. And I know this is not going to blow out my cardio. When I go to the gym, I do my cardio. I'm, I'm hopefully I'm burning more than 150 calories. So I'm still, I still end up burning more. And this is great to get the protein into my body when I lift to help feed my muscles. Go to built.com right now. Use the promo code locked 15. Check it out for yourself. You can use locked 15 every single time you go. So it doesn't matter how met, how much, how, how big the order, how little the order locked 15 is going to get you 15% off every time you go to built.com. Be sure to follow our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. Hey, thanks once again for making the Locked On Celtics podcast your first listen every day. You can make your second listen to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast with Josh Lloyd, who will help you win your league if you're into fantasy basketball. He is going to be a huge help. Make that your second listen every day. You will not be sorry. Let's just dive back into a mailbag. Let's do a pseudo mailbag episode here, a mailbag segment. Starting with, I wanted to answer a couple of questions to clear up some misconceptions about things the Celtics can do. And the first one comes from Dan, who says, if the Celtics like what they get from Schroeder this year, do you think there's a chance they can use one of their trade exceptions to do a sign and trade to re-sign him in the offseason? And so... The answer to that is that's not possible. The Celtics, and it's a very important distinction to make, the Celtics do not have a method for paying him an exorbitant amount of money unless they use their mid-level exception. So they do not have a trade exception. The trade exception is simply for acquiring a player via a a sign-in trade or a trade, any kind of trade. So the, the Celtics have... Uh, the you know certain trade exceptions, whatever the amount is, you can trade for a player or multiple players that make up to that amount, not over that amount, not nothing. You can, so you can't use that. It's not money that they can use to sign a player. It's not money in in that sense. It's basically a coupon to go acquire a player via a trade that makes up to that money. That's it. So there's no chance for the Celtics to sign Schroeder that way. They can only do it basically two ways. They they can give him a portion of the mid-level or all of the mid-level. They can use their mid-level exception. That's one way. And within that one way, there's a 1A and 1B. The taxpayer mid-level, which is basically um, what he's making now. The full mid-level, which hard caps them, which they're not going to do because that that's too problematic considering all the other money that's out there. They, they'll just, they're not going to do that. That's the only way they can get up to like, uh, 10 or $11 million. The only other thing they have is a thing called, um, non bird rights, which is basically you sign a guy for a year. Uh, you can give him a, a 20% raise off of this, this salary. So I've said all along, if Schroeder plays well enough where the Celtics want him back that badly, there's a good chance that he plays well enough to make enough money somewhere else if the Celtics can't afford him. So that's that's why I think it's very, very likely uh, almost a guarantee that he's done after this year. Fred, had, it's kind of a funny, funny thing here. Um, I remember Red, when he coached by himself, was GM and would walk 
you around the empty garden to sell you season tickets. I remember Heinsohn with only John Killalea. Now I counted 14 coaches on the bench, even with a head coach, an assistant coach, offensive coach, defensive coach, backcourt coach, frontcourt coach, trainer, dietitian, what else is there? And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> okay, so this is great because, yes, Red only was by himself, didn't need an assistant coach. And assistant coaching staffs have grown exponentially over the years. A lot of these people on the bench or behind the bench are developmental coaches. They're there to work specifically with players. They are, they're obviously they're involved in some level of the game planning and everything, but there is a head coach, his, sometimes it's called an associate head coach or uh, whatever. And there's like down the line, there are a few coaches on the assistant level that are part of really the staff, right? Then you go behind the bench and there's developmental people and they're people in different roles. And it, it looks in some ways ridiculous. I understand that, but let's look at where the NBA is. First of all, they're, the investment in these players is so ridiculous and the guys are coming in so young that if, if it was the 1960s and guys were paying, getting paid whatever the equivalent amount of tens of millions of dollars was back then, you can bet that Red was going to say, and if they come in at 19, you could bet that Red would be like, you know what? I could use some help around here to make sure that these guys are, are doing what they need to do. There's also, there was no free agency back then. So when you signed a player, you signed a player. He couldn't be like, you know, whatever, like, get me out of here. And also back then, there wasn't this kind of money. Guys were working part-time jobs. They were working in the off-season. Tommy Einstein has the, the very famous story of, I was selling insurance. That's why he didn't want to become the coach when, when Red first offered it to him. He's like, I was making more money selling insurance. I was, that was a better path for me. This is impossible to comprehend nowadays. So th the, the extensive coaching staff is to make sure that every one of these players that you're invested in gets personal attention. And from Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, down to Peyton Pritchard, down to your two-way guys, Sam Hauser, th those guys, you're investing real money, real money into these guys, millions of dollars. Even Aaron Neesmith, who's a middle round draft pick. Here's a guy that needs to step up, that needs to, if, if he doesn't improve to a level where he can contribute, then that becomes a loss. It becomes a real loss. That hurts the Celtics. That hurts their team. So yeah, you know what? If that takes adding two extra coaches to the coaching staff, you know the Celtics are going to do it. You, of course they are. They're going to make whatever investment they can in player development to make sure that these draft picks pan out. Because if they pan out, that's a massive victory in building a team. If the Celtics can come out of the season and Peyton Pritchard and Aaron Neesmith and Grant Williams and Romeo Langford have all developed into very meaningful role players that you want to keep, those guys are all super cheap right now. They're on rookie contracts. You need those around. So now you can either put them together and trade them, or you can use them as role players, 
or whatever, but the developmental coaches, that extensive coaching staff that works to make that happen is so important. So I know it looks ridiculous. I know that there's that many coaches, but when you think about all the things the Celtics need to do with 15 players out there, these guys need a lot of personal attention and there's training staff and there's beyond that. There's, there's a lot of people. The Putting on an NBA game, fielding an NBA team is an extensive process. It's very, very um, complicated. It's become increasingly, increasingly complicated. You know, I was joking around with some of the other reporters before the Raptors game watching guys get loose and everything. And I was like, you know, it used to be you'd go out there, you'd do a couple of quad stretches, you'd do a little, you know, groin stretch, that little sitting down, with, you know, almost like uh, crisscross, and, you know, then that was it. You'd go through layup lines, and that was it. You go, okay, I'm warmed up now. Now it's, it's an extensive – guys are there four hours before a game, three hours before a game, going through treatments and massages and this and that and film sessions, and it, it is a lot. But it's a multi-billion dollar franchise. And the money at stake is so huge that they're going to go all out. All right, last question here from Aaron, who says, what are the chances of a trade for Terrence Ross? He would bring some solid scoring off the bench. This is, this is exactly the type of trade when we're talking about these young guys. Th- this is something that could work. I think Terrence Ross is a huge trade target. And if Romeo or Neesmith or one of these guys can kind of be worth Orlando's time, effort, then, yeah, I think Terrence Ross would be a great scorer off the bench for the Celtics. That would be, we talk about instant offense, that would be a huge upgrade for the Celtics. So um, Terrence Ross is at the, at the top of my list or near the top of my list of guys who could move at the trade deadline. And I think that Ross can be, part of a serious competition. He's one guy that I'm really, really targeting. And I think when we get to the trade deadline, you're going to hear a lot more buzz when it comes to Terrence Ross because a lot of teams are going to be going for him and thinking that he could be the missing piece for sure. So thanks for, for the question, Aaron. Thanks for questions, everybody. Again, johncorrales.com slash mailbag or you go to johncorrales.com and click the mailbag link. Surf around my website. Buy a book if you... Um, appreciate you listening to the show, subscribing wherever you get your podcast. Again, this is a free daily Monday through Friday podcast. Yes, I do a few ad reads in the middle. That's how I get paid. I am not going to ask you for any more money. It's a free podcast Monday through Friday. I will be there after the Celtics play the wizards. Uh, and then I will be in Washington too for that game. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube, especially on YouTube. That's a big thing for us now. Uh, Watch the show, subscribe, comment, all of that stuff. Share the podcast. Tell your friends that they should be listening to and watching the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network.